chapter 3. First John chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 3. But uh, last Sunday, uh, when we met to look at our series in First John, we noticed the doctrine of glorification. That is, if we've been born again, if we've been saved, we know that there's coming a day when we'll no longer have this body that's cursed with sin or affected by it, but we'll be made perfect as Christ is perfect. We'll be given new and glorified bodies that are not tainted by sin. And the first thing that we looked at is that we can know that we are the children of God. And of course, we need to be settled uh, in our position. We need to know and be assured that we belong to God as His children. We don't belong to this world. We don't belong to the opinions of those around us who don't like uh, how we're living. We belong to God. And we saw some indications uh, that we belong to God. Those who are saved, they have an awareness of their new nature. They have an awareness of their sin nature and the battle with it, the spiritual battle around them. Uh, they are not blind to those things. And those who are saved, they also, uh, they, they also have a desire to know God more and the things of God. They, they're passionate about their position as God's children. We also saw if we've been saved, we have the spirit of adoption. God is not just some far-off being, but if we've been saved, He is a heavenly Father uh, and who loves us, who takes care of us. Uh, and another uh, trait, another attribute of those who are saved is they have a love for the brethren. They love their new family, and they want to serve their family, and they want to be a part of that family. And then we also noticed last week that if we've been saved, we are destined for glory. Glory. We know that there's coming a day when we'll be like Christ, when we'll enter heaven, we'll have a new home, we'll have a new body awaiting us. And then finally, we notice some truths that should excite us about this coming glorification. Of course, having a new body, having a new home, we will get to see Christ for who He really is. All our questions will be answered. Uh, we need to... We also saw that we need to be ready since He is coming. Uh, that means we need to be serving Him now. We need to be living for Christ now with the time that He has given us. We don't just sit back and twiddle our thumbs and wait for Him to return, but we serve Him while we wait. Um, and then finally, we notice that God will finish what He has started. If we've been saved, uh, God helps us to grow. He helps us to become more like Christ. And one day, uh, we will be made new and perfect. And uh, so that's what we looked at last week. Tonight, we are going to consider the doctrine of holiness. The doctrine of holiness. And uh, to help us understand this, though, I want us to look at another passage in the Bible. Hold your place in 1 John 3. But turn to Luke chapter 9, and verse, uh, starting at verse 28 through verse 42, we see an illustration of this idea that we're going to consider tonight. Uh, in this passage. It's a familiar, familiar passage. Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 28. Uh, the Bible says this, And it came to pass about in eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. 
And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him. And he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruising him, hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And he was yet a coming. The devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. That passage there, of course, Jesus brings Peter, James, and John. They go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And up there, they see the full glory of Christ on display. They see Christ for who he is. And Peter's immediate response, we see him. He says, we need to, it's good for us to be here. We should build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And we should just stay here and we should just worship you. And that should be it. And that was Peter's immediate response. But the Bible, it's a, uh, it, it, it's, uh, the fun, it's a funny phrase. Uh, it, it basically tells Peter he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's saying. Peter was excited to see Jesus in his glory, but, and he wanted to stay on that mountaintop, but they had a mission to accomplish. They still had a work to do. And so they come down off the mountaintop where they see the glory of God. And what's the first thing that they run into when they come down off the mountaintop? They run into a child possessed by the devil. And they're met with the reality of sin. It's, what a contrast that is. Up on the mountaintop, you see God's glory. You see God's greatness. Peter and James and John, they saw what was awaiting them in heaven. They saw what we looked at last week. That we are destined for glory. That we are destined to be given a new body. To be in heaven where we are perfect. But the reality is uh, here and now while we're on the earth. We still fight against sin. We still battle with this flesh. Uh, and so there's still a work to do. And we see t tonight we're going to look at this idea of, of holiness. Of living holy lives while we are on the earth. Because there will be a battle with this sin nature while we are on this earth, in this body. The Bible says in Romans 7, 18 through 24, I'm not going to read the whole thing. We, we're familiar with it, but uh, Paul, he, he says, For I know that it in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I, that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Uh, and then at the end of it, in verse 24, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
as we saw last week, as believers, we should be looking forward to our glorification. We should be excited about the time when Christ comes and he takes us to heaven and we'll no longer have to deal with sin. We'll no longer have to deal with the troubles of this world. But the reality is we are here in this world. We do struggle with sin. We do fight against sin. And so what do we do about that? How are we supposed to handle that truth? And that is where the doctrine of holiness comes in, of living holy lives as God's children. And so we see in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, uh, we're going to read this and then pray against the message. The Bible says, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So tonight I want us to consider holiness. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you've saved us. Lord, I thank you that we have this blessed hope. Uh, Lord, if we've been saved, we know that there's coming a day when uh, we will have a perfect body, we'll be in a perfect place, sin will no longer be an issue for us. But God, we, we have been called to a mission that's to serve you, to live for you, to be salt and light in this earth. Uh, Lord, there is a spiritual battle around us. We will face temptation with sin, but we know if we've been saved, we are more than conquerors through you, that we do not have to be overcome by sin because you have overcome it and you've given us your strength. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to live holy lives on the earth, to have a right perspective of living a holy life. Uh, Lord, we don't live it to earn your love but we live holy lives because you have already have shown us your love, and we want to love you in return. God, I ask that you speak to our hearts the message now. Help me to be emptied of self and filled with your spirit. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to notice is uh, what is holiness. Um, <clears throat> we, we need to know what holiness is. There, are some mis there have been some misunderstandings uh, about holiness and how we go about being holy, why we should be holy, what our perspective on it is. One of the most obvious examples of a misunderstanding of holiness that I can think of is uh, a monk that goes and lives in a monastery. They go and they shut themselves off from society. They cut themselves off from uh, the world so that they can somehow uh, become holy and earn God's love. Uh, and if you, if you believe that you must earn your salvation, if you believe that you must work to be saved, that makes sense, uh, that I must do all of these things and follow all of these rules to be saved. But we know that it's not the case. We don't work for our salvation. We don't do good works to be saved. We are saved by grace through faith alone. Uh, and, so, and so those who have that idea, they, they think that they... Uh, they think that they are holy, that they should be holy, because they see holiness as an end in itself. Uh, but we know that we are made holy through, through Christ. This poor understanding of holiness, though, if we're not careful, it can infiltrate our lives. It can infiltrate the church. When holy living becomes an end in itself, uh, that's when legalism can become a problem. Just as some think that they earn their salvation by their good works, uh, we need to be careful that we don't think that we can earn God's love as His children. He's given it to us freely, and we live holy lives not to earn God's love, but because He has loved us first, and we want to love Him in return. Uh, living a holy life is uh, living a holy life is, is should be born out of a love 
for God, not to earn his love. Uh, in other words, some see the holy, some see living a holy lifestyle as the thing that they serve. Everything they do is in service to a lifestyle, not to Christ. Our service is to be to the God of that lifestyle. It's to be to Christ. That's who we live for. We aren't living for ourselves, our own self-image, our, our own idea of what is good. We lived for Christ, and we live to serve Him. And holy living is an outflow of our love for God and for His Word. And so we need to have a right perspective of holiness. Uh, it, it, we, it's not our end goal. Uh, Christ is our end goal. And holy living is a natural outflow of that. Because there are many in the church who talk about how good they are. They talk about how holy they are. They talk about all of these things that they do. We read in the Bible how Jesus said, Many will stand before Christ at the end of their life. And they will talk about all of the good things that they do, that they have done. They'll talk about the way they, they look and behave. And Christ will say, Depart from me because I never knew you. Their end goal was not the right thing. It was not Christ. It was this idea that they had of uh, some, some life that they should attain to. And so what is holiness? Holiness is pursuing Christ. It's, it's pursuing Him. It's not pursuing some lifestyle that we think is perfection. It's living each day to become more and more like Christ uh, and His Word. And it starts from the inside. It starts with the heart. It starts with making sure that our attitude is right, that our motives are right, and God will help us to become more holy. Uh, and so we need to see holy living as an outflow of our faith and our belief in God and His Word. It needs to be a product of that. It needs to, we need to be conformed to Christ and His Word. And so we see what holiness is. It's pursuing Christ, but what is our motivation for being holy? Why should we want to be holy? Why should we want to do these things? We've been saved. We, we aren't going to hell if we've been saved. So what does it matter what I do on the earth? Why should I want to be holy? There's several reasons why we should live holy lives. First is that we are God's children. That should be a mo our motivation for living a holy life. Look at verse 3. Uh, at the beginning it says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. The verse there, it starts with the word and. It's a conjunction. It's connecting that verse to the previous verses uh, in this passage. And one of the prominent things mentioned in the previous two verses is that if we've been saved, we are God's children. We know that we belong to God. And if we are certain of that, if we are assured that we are God's children, um, we, a natural result of that is living uh, a holy life because we know who we are. As we'll see in a few weeks, uh, if we've been saved, we, sin doesn't belong in God's realm. God is in the realm of, of light. If we've been saved, we've been pulled out of darkness, we've been placed in, into light, we've been placed with God, and sin doesn't belong with us anymore. We don't belong to sin. Sin belongs in Satan's realm. It belongs in darkness. Uh, and we, we no longer live under sin's domain. Because we've been freed from it. And so we should live holy lives because it's, it's who we are to live a holy life. We are God's children. That is where we belong. Also, uh, we see we should live holy lives because Christ is returning. Uh, he's coming back. We are going to heaven. 
and we should be prepared. Uh, Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this about this idea of Christ's return and living a holy life because of it. He says, I am not to live this holy life in order that I may enter heaven. It is because I know I am going to enter heaven that I must live this holy life. In other words, we should be prepared for Christ's coming. And the Bible talks all about this, about being ready for His return, about waiting for His coming, about being prepared, about laying up treasures in heaven. We live the holy life because we know that Christ is coming for us, that we are going to Him. Uh, and we also live because we do not want to be ashamed when that time comes. 1 John 2.28, we looked at this a few weeks ago, says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. When we stand before Christ at the end of our life, will we be ashamed? Because we didn't use the time that we were given to live for Christ. Will we be ashamed? Because we did not purify ourselves. Will we be ashamed? Because we did not fellowship with the Father. Will we be ashamed? Because we are not conformed to the image of Christ. Christ is returning. We need to be prepared. We need to live a holy life because He is coming back. Also, we should live a holy life because God loves us. And this is perhaps the greatest reason that we ought to live a holy life on the earth. Because God loves us. Uh, John said in another place in this epistle that uh, we love God because He first loved us. Uh, again, we do not work to earn God's love. There's a heresy that goes around that somehow God, uh, that we make ourselves more valuable to God uh, based on what we do. That some Christians are less valuable to God than others. Uh, but the last time I checked, God paid the greatest price for every person to be saved, and that was giving His Son so that we could all be saved. And the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. God does not play favorites with His children. God loves uh, each and every one of His children the same. Uh, it's the, great, the greatest love we have ever experienced is becoming a child of God. As we've seen at the beginning of this chapter in verse 1, uh, we, we were told to behold the manner of love that the Father hath bestowed upon us. We are to stand in awe of God's love for us as His children. When we understand how much God loves us, I believe we will be left with no choice but to want to live that holy life. That we will be left with no other option but to serve Him and to live for Him and to love Him. But we need to know that uh, we are His children and we need to know that He loves us. We also should live holy lives because we know we are known of the Father and we do not want to grieve Him. We do not want to grieve Him. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Paul instructed the Ephesian church there not to grieve God's Spirit. That word grieve, it means to make sorrowful. And just before that verse in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Paul listed some things that grieve God's Spirit. Lying, unjust anger, wrath, apathy, theft, corrupt speech. Of course, that's not the extent of it. There's so much more that grieves God's Spirit. Those are some things that were common in the church in Ephesus. But the point is that sin grieves God. And sin does not belong to the Christian. We do not belong to sin. 
We belong to God. We belong to righteousness. We are in a different realm. And so when we're saved and we walk over to sin and we pick it up and we partake in it, we grieve God's spirit. And knowing that we can grieve God's spirit, it should motivate us to run from that. We should want to love our Father. We should, we should want to please our Father. We should, want to, uh, we should want Him to be proud of us. But when we are partaking in sin, that's not going to happen. We grieve Him. We make Him sorrowful. And so those are some motivations to live a holy life, of why we ought to live a holy life. We don't just live a holy life for the sake of it or to make ourselves look good in front of others. Uh, we live uh, a holy life because we, we love God and we want to be conformed to the image of Christ. But when we elevate our own sense of uh, morality above Christ, when our mission becomes trying to look better than everybody else around us uh, so that we can have some status, then we, then we end up with pride. And the reason that we should not look to ourselves and our own good works it's because what does the Bible say about our good works? It's filthy rags. And so when we are serving those good works, we're serving filthy rags. And I would rather serve Jesus Christ. And I would rather live for Him. And I would rather want to be conformed to His image and do what He has asked us to do. And so we see our motivation. Finally, we see uh, how do we pursue holiness? How do we pursue it? In verse 3 again, it says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. John says here that we are to purify ourselves. And that's not a suggestion. It's a statement. Uh, he says that those who have their hope in him, meaning our hope is in Christ, it's not in us, our hope is in Jesus Christ. If our hope is in him, we purify ourselves. Uh, our blessed hope is Christians, is Christ, and is coming, and our glorification uh, and that we are going to be changed into his image. And so our hope is not us, it's, it's Jesus Christ. Those who have their hope in Christ, they purify themselves. They know they are saved. They, they know that they're on their way to heaven. They know that they belong to the Father. Uh, they know they have a new family. They know they have power over sin. They know that they are more than conquerors through Christ. They know that they have the power uh, of prayer. They know that this world is not their home, that they're just passing through. They know that they are salt and light, that they are to be ambassadors for Christ. They know that they are forgiven. They know that they are loved. They know that they are accepted of the Father. If, uh, if we have that hope, if we know that, if we are assured of that, uh, we purify ourselves. In other words, hope, uh, it should move us for Christ. Our hope should move us to be holy in our living. Uh, it moves us to be purified. Uh, our hope in Christ, not in us, but in Him. The word purify it has the idea of removing things that don't belong. If you're going to purify gold, you heat it up, you take out all the impurities, all of the things that are not gold, and you purify the gold. As a Christian, sin does not belong with us. We don't belong with sin. We are in a different realm from it. If we've been saved, uh, we belong to the kingdom of God. We belong to the kingdom of light. God has pulled us out of that darkness. Of course, we still, we still have this flesh that's cursed with sin and temptation, and that's where sanctification comes in. That's where holy living comes in. That's where we need to 
run from sin. Christ has given us the power to overcome sin through His strength, through the Spirit that He has given us. And so we need to purify ourselves. We need to run from sin. We need to stay away from it. Uh, and so purification or holiness, it, it's not just something that is passive. In other words, we don't just get saved and then we sit back on the pew and, and we just soak in holiness. No, we need to be active in living out the life that Christ has called us to live. And, and run from sin, and not just run from sin, but run to righteousness. Run to Christ and His Word. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Colossians 3, 5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And so we must mortify ourselves. Paul says that we must die daily. We say no to those temptations to sin. And it's only through Christ and His grace and His strength that we are able to do that. And if, as we've seen already in this series, if we've been saved and we go to God with our sin and confess it, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. We need to look to Christ. That means we need to be in His Word, and we need to be in prayer. We need to be in fellowship with Christ if we want to know what He looks like. And Christ is our goal. And as we strive to live holy lives, we need to keep our eyes on Him. So tonight the question is, are we living in holiness? Do we have the right attitude about holiness? Again, holiness is not about us. It's not about us looking good or being better than anybody else in the church. Uh, it's the, the family of God is not a competition about who can be better or who can have more of God's love. God loves us as His children. And that should move us to love Him through our service and our faithfulness in return. And so holiness is, is not an end in, in itself. Christ is the end. And a natural... Uh, outflow of that is our holy living. Uh, and so we, we need to live holy lives because we know that God loves us. Uh, and we need, to be, we need to have the right motivations uh, for this service. Uh, we need to have that desire to be conformed to God's will and His direction and obey it. Tonight we need to know who we are. We need to remind ourselves of our position in Christ. We need to be reminded of God's love for us. We need to be reminded of what's awaiting us. We need to be reminded of the promises that God has given us. And those things should move us, uh, should impact our hearts to live holy lives on the earth. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, I thank you for this night that you've given us. And I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you've saved us. And I thank you for these reminders that we belong to you. Uh, God, you've given us so much, uh, and you've loved us so much. And God,